JB, we're blessed here on In the Huddle for the 12th straight year. This is 12th season, 12th year we're doing uh, this special thing here. Uh, speaking with the NCAA Selection Committee Chairman about the bracket that is released now uh, here. Uh, we saw the NCAA.com reveal, and we want to talk to him about how we arrived at where we are at. I will let you do the honor, sir. Well, uh, he's he's done with his two-year term now, Frank, so we can go refer to him as the head coach of Lake Forest College, the Foresters. Uh, but we're very pleased for the second year in a row to have Jim Catanzaro on the show. Coach, welcome back to In the Huddle, and how are things in Indy? They're, uh, they're chilly, but they're feeding me well, so that's okay. They, they found a way to my heart is to make sure I have food whenever I'm sitting down. That matters. Uh, in the Midwest, baby. Yeah. As an Italian, I, I, I concur 100% with the food part. Uh, Coach, uh, we want to talk to you, obviously, about uh, a plethora of issues here, but we have a limited amount of time, so we want to jump right on in here. Uh, the first thing that a lot of people uh, notice are uh, kind of, uh, you know, the ones, the twos, all that stuff, but Let's talk about first how much sleep you got last night. That, I think that's an important thing. When Wisconsin Whitewater lost, what did that do to your guys' uh, night, basically? Well, the first thing was we couldn't have the West Region ranking call until after that game. And so we chose not to operate on a what-if uh, mindset. We wanted to see how numbers worked out and things like that. And so the uh, West Region call went off at about 9 o'clock um, Central time. So being in Indianapolis, being on the East Coast time, that got done probably around 1045, got their votes in. Um, then we kind of went about the uh, selection of the five at-large teams and then put together our first look at the bracket and got done with that about 130, 145, and then decided to take a six-hour break and come back and work on it again this morning. And uh, work on it you did. Uh, so yeah, let me ask you. Did. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you. Uh, so I, I bring up the ones and the twos before that question, but the ones and twos matter because obviously uh, we've heard historically, at least, that those are the eight teams, uh, the four ones, the four two seeds, that you try to achieve. Uh, you know, ascertaining and treating the best way possible. In, in the philosophies that we've heard before, the best one should be going against the worst two, and then they build pods around them. Were you able to achieve that? And can we assume that Mayor Hart and Baylor, Salisbury, Mount Union, and Wheaton were the ones, and then uh, Wisconsin, Whitewater, Muhlenberg, Wesley, and Chapman were the twos based on that kind of philosophy? Walk us through what you can in that respect. Yeah, the things I, I can say is that the uh, the geography once again played a bit of a um, relevant part. Uh, you had a, a team in Chapman who was 10-0, uh, but is obviously out in the island. And then you have Mary Harden Baller who's on an island. And so um, they, may be, they may not be the true natural ones and twos, um, but they were more of a with the geography and things like that. I, I think that there are a few teams, when you look at a school like Salisbury, was definitely helped. Uh, by the chaos in the, the Wisconsin conference last night then um, probably got themselves what would look to be, you know, from that perspective, a one. Um, but really it's going to be more of a, um, there, there are kind of, I don't know that we say best ones or twos because I think at this point the ones and twos for everybody are pretty darn good. Yeah, one of the things for as far as us being East Region guys, uh, Coach, it looked like initially we were kind of scratching our heads at the, at, you know, the placement of uh, – of Union taking on, you know, Case Western, uh, but I guess when you kind of do the 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 math mileage wise, 
uh, comparing in say like let's say Western New England, who we thought Union uh, would be quote unquote above in the in the rankings. Uh, you're over 500 miles there, I think, if you're going from from Cleveland, Ohio, straight to uh, to Springfield, Massachusetts. So, um, you know, I, and I know in the past you've talked about how you guys, uh, you know, do the best to kind of work within the system. Uh, were there any any other matchups like that that where the the mileage just made things a little a little more tricky? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of them. The uh, you know, Redlands is a third ranked team in the West, and they're flying out to play a, a number one team. And of course, that's the island issue. Yeah. Um, there was some lacking in the middle of America, if you will, uh, the Ohio population that we've had in the past, where you've had the centers and the John Carrolls and some other schools that could maybe, you know, get to you from Kentucky or Ohio and, and really give some flexibility to the bracket. There wasn't as much flexibility available this year um, as we'd had in previous years. There were a number of teams that we would put up on the um, screen and you'd hover over them, which tells us how many miles they are from other opponents. You'd be like, they can't go to either their first or their second round game, and you're not going to be able to get those flights out of the, the NCAA at that point. Coach, uh, we are an East Region show technically here, uh, so we're going to focus on these for another question or two probably. And uh, there is what we would call, again, an East-centric uh, type bracket, although a couple of exceptions uh, do pop up here, obviously. Looking in the upper right with Salisbury at the head of it, and James kind of pointed out some of the anomalies there with Case Western Reserve being brought in and Muhlenberg being brought in. Uh, you know, Delaware Valley last year, ironically, uh, got sent out and had to face uh, Muhlenberg uh, in another, let's say, regions bracket, even though we don't use pure regional brackets anymore. I get that, but there are certain centers that we do see drawn in these things. Was there a, a need to or a desire to achieve the East as kind of a central zone? Because the, the NCAA or your selection committee, not necessarily yours personally, but the selection committees of years gone by, have taken, on the, have taken it on the chin for sort of letting the East go at it itself. And some people have thought of those to be the easiest bracket uh, historically. What would you say to how you treated the East in these situations? Well, I think the East this year, and it's really kind of almost two brackets, um, because if you, you take a peek at the bottom quadrant of the, uh, the Mount Union bracket, if you will, um, you've got a, a four pack of teams down there as well. Um, so trying to really get some cross region matchups where there is that opportunity is something we always try to do and you see that with the you know really just about every bracket we have there's at least two regions represented in it and trying to get as many as we can the uh the northeast what really happens is where the aqs are there's so many aqs within there for conferences that it's just really hard to find that mileage that works in that first round and even in the second round trying to make that work without having to set up a flight and so that's it's they may be able to get to one school but can they get to another um, in round two, and that I think is probably the harder part. Those southern schools that are you know located in Pennsylvania, um, you know, you, you can tell me Pennsylvania is the south, but living in New York, that's not that far south. <laughs> I'm with you, right? I'm with you there, coach. And speaking of the uh, the four pack down in the lower right, I mean, one of the things that sort of obviously jumps out, and you know, all due respect to the uh, the Eagles fans. I mean, they'll be favored um, as the home team with, you know, Del Val coming in as the MAC champion. But the possibility of that um, Wesley uh, Del Val rematch was a great game the first time, went to four overtimes. Um, was there any back and forth on the committee of like sort of the, the, the risk of, of having that rematch? Or was this one of those things where just from the, the pod and the, and the geographic 
distances and so on that just made sense to kind of to keep those uh, teams kind of in the same in the same spot. Yeah, it was more of a made sense. There are some other opportunities for those second round rematches um, in some of the other some of the other brackets as well. Um, but I think that sure. we, we didn't want to intentionally do that. Um, but I do think that that's what kind of just by the nature of there only being 32 teams, there's a, there's a lot of teams that played each other this year. Um, so I, I think it was just it wasn't intentional. It was kind of a just a natural fit where the geography went and Wesley being the two team the, the two seed out of their region. Um, and the rack, I thought that that was, you know, when you look at it, they kind of spit where they kind of belong. They fit as a number two. Their, their one loss was, a, you know, to the top-ranked team. So I think they kind of probably landed where they needed to. I'm assuming that the uh, regional rankings, the final, final regional rankings, are again going to be released by the NCAA at some point tonight or tomorrow morning, uh, we've seen historically. So we will be able to determine who was on the table, pool C-wise, uh, at that point, to the degree you want to tell us. You feel free to, though. Uh, but... I, you know, the, the I guess the Wisconsin Whitewater situation created a lot of chaos in a lot of different ways. Pool C, obviously, because they got picked. But uh, a team like John Carroll is not uh, on this list. And there is a group of in America that wants to say that's, you know, a D3 fan uh, based group that says, hey, John Carroll deserves it because aside from losing to Mountain Union, they went undefeated against a good batch of teams. And then there's another group out there that says, John Carroll, who do you play? Really, at the end of the day, that whole conference looks good because of Mount Union. When you guys took a look at a team like John Carroll and the OAC generally, I guess my question becomes, why not John Carroll uh, for uh, what people uh, out there that kind of rooted to see them in there would ask it right now? Well, I, I think there's two parts of that question I want to answer. Were the, were the, when there was three teams from the South region last year, were, there, were the South region people asking why there was not a second team from another, another region as an at-large? Um, but for, you know, for John Carroll in particular, it's really about what time they um, get on the board. And uh, I think that when the, the rack puts their, their numbers together, um, that first team has to get off the board before the second team can go. And then before the third team can go, the second team has to go. And uh, once the, once the final rankings come out, um, I do think that there's a, a case that if you want to make that argument, it had to be made probably in the previous weeks or in the current week of where did they belong in the regional rankings? And did their numbers set that? Because every year, it's about the numbers to an extent, but we are not just a, a robotic number spitting group. Otherwise, they wouldn't need a committee to look at it. And I think that some of the things that changed this past week really helped certain teams and helps hurt some other teams. And I mean, obviously, the Whitewater going into Pool C really, really mucked it up for a lot of teams because that was one of those five, you know, desired at large bids that was no longer available. That, that really kind of you look at their numbers with a 570, you know, plus uh, strength of schedule and who their losses were and who some of their wins were, and they would have been a hard team to keep out almost any year that I've I've followed Division Three football. Yeah, speaking of strength of schedule, coach, it seemed like the in the first kind of mock rankings that it really wasn't utilized. It was more about win loss percentage, and then uh, then the formulas started to come into play. Um, were there any? situations where say you know the, the the last game of the season had an impact on a on a strength of schedule positive or, or negative that could have you know, swayed things i mean it seemed part of maybe what was a challenging situation for uh, for john carroll was that there was just 
some pretty strong uh, both Western and North region teams. And obviously, Wesley got in from the East, and that was it. Uh, it, it is at the end of the day, it's just there's there's only so many uh, bids to go around for nine and one teams, and it just kind of comes down to it comes down to the, the metrics to a certain extent. But I know in the past you've talked about that 15 to 20 percent sort of the human element. Maybe it's the eye test uh, to that effect. It, how did that play into the in the decision making process with the with the five uh, pool C bids? Yeah, I think a couple of games that played into uh, played into some things were when it knocked teams off the regional rankings. Teams that took losses. You know, that you look at a team like Bethel, you look at a team like Baldwin Wallace, um, Wabash taking another loss to to be dropped out of the rankings. That really impacted you know some of the regional rankings uh, and those results because it brought other teams either back into the mix. That had been gone for a week or brought in new teams completely. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think really stands out is when you look at some of those teams, it really gave their case um, for where they were to be a, a little bit stronger than maybe the others. And again, there still is only five, um, five at largest. And if the strength of schedule is, is not real strong, it's hard to give yourself credit. If you don't have regionally ranked wins on top of a strong strength of schedule, you really need to have, have both of those components to, to give yourself an advantage if you do the blind eye test. Um, and one quick follow-up, Coach. Um, one of the things you said back on the uh, ATN podcast number uh, 216, I did my homework, actually, and I worked out today. I listened yep. to that again <laughs> to, to get to get the re-education uh, from, from you. Um, was there a situation that came up with, with the, as, the, as the National Committee Chair, one of the things you mentioned was sometimes you have to go back to the rack with a why uh, to try to understand, mm -hmm. as, you, as you describe in that, that podcast, you know, you have – coaches and uh, people from four different regions, trying to get them all on the same page at a national level. Uh, you know, don't necessarily have to name names or anything, but were there any situations where you guys as a committee were like, yeah, let's take this back to the to the rack to, to have them better explain where their thought process was, whether it had to do with the seating, maybe a change, that kind of situation. Uh, not necessarily with the seating, but I think over the, we, we really pointed one rack back to the the criteria, and I think that's an important thing to always do. Um, I know that even on the West Region rack, which I serve on, um, you know, I can speak to that phone call a little bit better. There, there's a lot of questions of, you know, this team's a conference champion. This team's a, um, you know, runner-up. Why don't they go ahead of them in the rankings if they're both nine and one? And well, being a conference champion is not a, a criteria. Um, so I think that at times we do have to kind of push back on all of our racks to hold them accountable to the, to the standards that we're governed with. Um, so I do think that that kind of happens each year in each region initially, and then you kind of see where it where it kind of lays out after the second ranking or after the mock rankings that we do, um, just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And, and when you do that, it, it does kind of set the standard of, hey, if you're going to do this, you have to be consistent with it. And if you're going to apply it, you know, say to uh, John Carroll, you have to be willing to apply it to uh, North Central or to Hope or to, you know, whoever else is in that grouping. If you're going to use it in one case, you can't then turn around and not use it for the other teams in that, particularly in that region. Um, maybe not to the national level, but at least to that region, it has to stay consistent. We saw some interesting uh, use of head-to-head -head, uh, over a couple of weeks, and I'm wondering if that didn't filter back in when we see the final regional rankings. We'll probably be able to ascertain that. 
One question, though, that has uh, arisen, and it's more of a generic question, not to your specific bracket, but now that you're probably rolling off this uh, committee uh, in the near future, or at least as chair, uh, I'm curious about your thoughts and maybe uh, to the degree you can tell us maybe some of the thoughts of others uh, that you've been working with. SUNY Maritime is the first team since 2010 when St. Lawrence did it that is five and five going into the tournament. And, uh, you know, congratulations to them for not being four and six and one of the ugliest box scores you'll ever see uh, when they beat Mount St. Joseph yesterday. But that said, with now only five at-large bids and some of the chaos that we saw yesterday, is there a feeling that this system is maybe not, we know it's not perfect, but even less perfect than we used to think it was, especially with the lack of at-large bids now, and is anyone going to step forward that you can think of to maybe question whether or not we need to rethink certain aspects of this, be it the, uh, the ratio, uh, the, the teams need the access ratio, as they call it, the number of teams per conference needed, or going to some kind of um, you know, earned access that uh, Division II, for instance, uses. Is this going to be the process for the time to come, or is somebody going to try to do something about it? Well, I, I find it funny that the two suggestions you just brought up are both like antithesis to one another. Um, increasing the access to, um, you know, more teams, I think, would be appealing to everybody, but nobody wants to be there on Christmas. And I, I think that that's one of the issues yeah. we're running into is that the player safety issue of eliminating a bye week during the regular season um, would be pretty. Uh, I think there'd be a lot of opposition from coaches as far as that goes. Um, and so we can't we can't have one arm saying, hey, we need player safety. We need to give them rest and recovery and then eliminate that only opportunity to, to do so. Um, the elimination of the at large bit, I don't think there's really any appetite for uh, the the opinionation of, you know, who should go in and that type of thing. When you eliminate those automatic um, opportunities, I, I think that there's a that's a really tough pill to swallow when you say, well, we think this team's better, so we're going to put them in. And unfortunately, I think that that can sometimes happen. I was on a Division II staff that won a conference championship that we thought we should be in the tournament, and uh, we weren't. And uh, that, I don't know that that was a great, great feeling. Um, so I do think that there is a, there's probably an appetite to expand it, but not really a good plan to how. Um, I, I don't think the um, kind of just take the 32 best teams in the country type proposal is anything that's going to be um, what our tournament's about in Division Three. As always, uh, we want to give you the final word, final thought, uh, you know, things you might change for the better uh, as you uh, kind of leave this post and, you know, have experience now having done it for a couple of years. Uh, we don't have numeric uh, podcasts here, so we can't refer back to this as uh, ITH to whatever. But I think, we're I, we over just, two, I think we're over 250, Frank. We are. I mean, we should have had like a party or something like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that. This is flat. Selection Sunday with me, number two, is all we'll have to call this one. I'll know what it is. I, I like that. Okay. And uh, then we'll call Perfect. the next uh, appearance Wu-Tang. Uh, but uh, yeah, right. what, what would you change or what would you suggest the NCAA or to your successor ultimately? And did you enjoy this process? Uh, let's, let's face it. You had to leave your team yesterday after uh, they played an away game. Uh, so they go home. You don't get to spend time with your seniors uh, on that bus trip home, which may be a blessing or a curse. I, I you know, I, I've never coached, so I can't say that for sure. But uh, you had to go directly down to Indy. I, I mean, was it worth doing this? And you know, what would you tell the NCAA, your successors, et cetera, at this point? Uh, it was definitely worth it for me from twofold. I've been pretty outspoken that I feel like coaches 
need to take more ownership into their their sport, whether it's at the NCAA level or the AFCA level, whatever it might be. And uh, when I found out that I was actually the first football coach uh, to serve as the chair in the modern inclination, it was like, that's crazy to me that we've had this playoff for that long and not had a football coach, you know, take the time yeah. to be the chair. Um, having said that, it, it's, it does take time away from me preparing my team. And if I didn't have great assistant coaches, it would be, you know, even harder to do that. Um, there were some drawbacks being away from the team. There'll be a week of recruiting that I don't go do because I'll be in Shenandoah, things of that nature. Uh, but I, I do think that it was definitely worth it. I think that my input in not just as the chair for the tournament, they, they brought me in for the Sports Science Institute and a few other things um, where I was able to give my input. And I, I think the next chair just has to really appreciate the, uh, the variety of teams that we have in Division Three and the true inability to evaluate certain things against one another because we just don't ever have a new MAC team play a Midwest Conference team. And so until you get those guys playing, so you can't really say, and um, don't let history be your guide just because a, a team hasn't won a couple of playoff games because they played Mary Harden Valor or Mount Union the first round two out of the last four years, doesn't mean that they're maybe not deserving of a, a home field game when they go 10 and 0 one year. I, I think those are some things we got to fight history a little bit and, you know, not be, have our preconceived notions of the teams and try to evaluate them on the worth of that year not their career and program. And, and sometimes we were able to do that, and other times maybe we weren't as successful doing that. So You bring up a great point. Actually, I, I want to uh, reach back here for a second. It, no, the, those uh, are my closing thoughts, Frank. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Coach. But you know what? You brought that's what up... She get when, that's what you get for being on the show with a lawyer, Coach. Come on. Yeah, see yeah. that? <laughs> but, but you know what? Salis Salisbury Oshkosh, how good did it feel to be able to last night talk about a matchup you would never normally see between two completely different regions, the East and the West. I, I mean, did that help you guys talk about Salisbury and or Oshkosh last night? Uh, it definitely helped us talk about Salisbury. Um, I, I'm not sure that it was the, the thing that ever, that stood out about Oshkosh was beating Whitewater. Uh, and so we always talked that wins are what are kind of the bigger criteria than the loss. Yeah. But I, I do think that having those two teams play against each other um, early in the season definitely helped. And it, um, it, it probably gave more credence to Salisbury despite having a low SOS, having that victory early in the year really helped them kind of cement themselves as a, as a higher seed. Fair enough. Coach, we do appreciate you a lot. I, I, I'm serious about having you back for the Framingham State uh, interview later on this week. And uh, we'll, we'll talk some Wu-Tang Clan because I'm going to need somebody to help me uh, on that one, uh, guide that one. And it ain't going to be Mr. JB down below me here. But uh, we look forward to seeing you in Shenandoah. I'm trying to convince JB to come down uh, and uh, have a little party with us uh, down in Texas. And we'll see what happens in five weeks, basically. We'll see who we're crowning as the next national champion, thanks to your committee and your work. Thanks again. Appreciate it for having me on. Thanks, guys.